Okay, so welcome everybody. Happy Thursday. I finally know what day of the week it is, which is kind of an unusual thing now that we're still in quarantine. Um, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with Power to Fly. I'm super excited to get started with today's session um, and introduce you to our speakers. But before we do, I'm going to uh, go over some real quick housekeeping items for you all. My name's Meg, by the way, and I'm part of the marketing team here at Power to Fly, and I will be uh, your host today. Today's session, like all of our sessions, is all about our audience, all about participation, all about you. So to that effect, please feel free to participate. You can turn cameras on, you can come off of mute to ask questions or voice comments about what you're about to hear. Um, if you don't, for whatever reason, wanna show up on the live recording of this event, not a problem, you can still participate. So when you do that, to, to participate, what you'll do is you'll put your comments or questions into the Zoom group chat. Keep yourself on mute, you won't show up in the recording. Um, I'll make sure that all the comments and questions that get raised in the chat get addressed uh, in today's session. And what else? Oh, if you want to ask your question or comment anonymously, not a problem. Instead of sending it to everyone in the Zoom group chat, you'll use that little drop down menu and pick Meg Alexander as, uh, as the recipient and I will um, I'll field questions and comments in there. And then if you are going to come off mute um, to ask a question or comment, I'm fair game. Please feel free to interrupt me because I get paid to fill the silence. But if Betsy is speaking or if another one of our attendees is asking a question, try to avoid crosstalk, that kind of thing. It's, um, you know, just helps us, you know, use your best practices. And then if you are not actively speaking, make sure that you are on mute. You never know what kind of sounds are going to show up in the background. I've got three dogs running around the house. So if I'm not talking, I will be on mute as well. If I mute you, um, don't worry. It's not permanent. You can still unmute yourself to ask a question. It's just trying to make sure that the audio stays uncontaminated for everybody that's listening. Um, today's session is being recorded. We talked about this a little bit earlier today, but if you register for this session, whether you don't attend, you spend five minutes on the chat or you stay for the full duration, everybody who registers gets an email in about one to two business days with a link to rewatch today's session. So that link is stable, it is always free, it's shareable, so you can send it around, you know, say you hear something on today's session that would really resonate with somebody you know, please feel free to send that around. It's always free to watch. The videos get hosted on our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to, or um, on our website, in basically in perpetuity. Um, so feel free to, you know, kind of spread the love and the knowledge about Power to Fly. You can also keep up with us on all of our other social media platforms. We are at Power Fly on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And I'm super excited to get started. So if you have any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat and we will keep moving right along. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's speaker. Betsy has been in the security industry for over 16 years, working on everything from incidents response to security architecture at both startups and Fortune 500 companies. Betsy is currently the Vice President of Information Security at Chainalysis Inc., a blockchain security company where she is responsible for establishing the security strategy and direction for the company. Prior to joining Chainalysis, Betsy built and matured security teams at companies such as Facebook, eBay, and Independent Health. So welcome, Betsy. Thank you, Meg. It's great to be here and welcome to everybody. I'd love to see all the cities represented here uh, today. Absolutely. All right. So before we get started here, I do just want to quick, do a quick call out and I'll be putting this link up in the Zoom chat, um, but you can follow Chainalysis on Power to Fly. So I'll put a link in there. You can navigate to their company page. There'll be a big pink follow button at the top of their page. 
Um, clicking that follow button does a couple things. First thing, it puts you on their follow network, which tells Chainalysis that you are interested in them. You're interested in what they're doing, you're interested in what they're hiring for, you're interested in working for them. Um, it's a really good way to kind of make yourself known, especially if you don't see anything, uh, any postings listed that would suit you. So at, on that same page, you can also scroll down, see what their open roles look like. And then the other thing that does is follow, clicking them and adding them to, their, to your follow network means that you get alerted every time they post new roles or they participate in events like today, or say our upcoming mini summit or virtual job fair that's happening next Friday, any of those events you will find out about. And it doesn't clutter up your mini feed. It's just a really good way to stay updated. And you can do that for any company that you like on Powerfly. You can follow and unfollow as many companies as you want, change the settings as often as you want, no harm, no foul. So I'll put the link to that, um, to that page into the Zoom chat and so everybody can go ahead and check that out. Um, as we get started here, we do have a, all the questions that you guys had submitted prior to today's session. Um, there were a lot of them and they were really good. So thank you so much to all of our attendees who sent in such wonderful questions. We compiled all those questions, took out redundant ones and condensed them down into more of a conversational format. So we're gonna start pinging through those questions um, in just a minute here. As we do that, if you are on today's session and you wanna make sure that your question is asked, please feel free. Like I said, come off mute. Um, you can put it into the Zoom chat, not a problem. Just make sure that, we just wanna be sure that if you had a question, you get your answer because you took the time out of your day to spend with us. So thank you for that. So as we get started here, um, Betsy, the first question that was submitted, how did you decide whether you've outgrown a position? How do you go about finding a job that aligns with your values, passion, and has a good work environment? Yeah, this is a, a good one to start with. Um, so I think there are two questions here. The first one is uh, deciding uh, or the decision process of how you know when you have outgrown a position. Uh, and for me, I can definitely feel when it's ready to move on when I'm going to work and I'm not feeling challenged. That is uh, a good indicator that um, I don't have the growth uh, that I'm looking for. And that's when I start to get a little antsy and I start uh, figuring out you know, what else is out there. Um, finding a job that uh, aligns with your passion and your values, um, what I found, it does take, um, it takes, a self audit for you to actually narrow down on what are the things that you really care about. And I think one of the, the beauty of working um, uh, or how we work today is that there's a lot of uh, good information out there about companies already. So if I'm interested in a specific company, um, there are lots of resources that are at my fingertips that I can start to look at, you know, what are employees saying about uh, this company, uh, for instance, on Glassdoor. Now, you do have to take some of those um, uh, testimonials with a grain of salt because you also, you, you don't have the full context. Um, and so it's looking for different areas where you can find information about the company, you know, looking at their, their uh, pages, uh, social media pages, understanding um, what changes are happening and what interesting problems they're solving. And then can you see yourself working in that industry? Um, and I think, I had to go through that process when um, uh, earlier this, this year when I was thinking about uh, coming over to Chainalysis. So I've been there now for about seven months. Um, and one of the things that really uh, uh, attracted me to the company is looking at uh, some of the, uh, the stories um, 
um, of how the platform was being used uh, to find um, um, malicious actors. And for me, that was my passion was, you know, how can we use technology to help people's lives? Uh, and so looking at those indicators and just looking at where the company is positioned and the kinds of uh, interesting cases that, uh, uh, you know, that these products that Chainalysis builds helps was really important to me to help make that or inform that decision. Thank you for sharing that. I think it can feel really like confusing for people. And it's so, it's such a subjective thing, but that idea of if you're not being challenged, you're not really growing at all. Um, I think that's, that's something that is really important and gets, gets lost really quickly when people are thinking about changing jobs. Cause I feel like a lot of times it can be more of an idea of like, well, I need to make more money or I want to be doing something different, but that can all be, you know, it's one of those things that kind of pales if you're doing something that's challenging and you feel engaged, it's not that those other things don't matter, but it's not as much of a deciding factor, I guess. So thank you for sharing. All right, so this next person had, had asked, I'm making a career change, going from being a director at a high growth startup, so SAAS, sorry, software as a service company, to being a senior analyst at a global company. How can I make the most of that opportunity to ensure that I will still be able to obtain a leadership role in the future? Yeah, so fairly similar to you know, some of the changes that I made uh, myself, uh, but I was going the opposite direction from a large company to a startup. Um, what I love about working in a high growth startup, especially uh, if it's a SaaS or a cloud company, um, you are probably wearing multiple hats. Um, you know, today you're probably working or helping um, something on the HR side and then on the finance side, you get a chance to have your fingers in, in a lot of, of different um, areas when you're in a startup, just because the pool of people who are at the company, it's probably a smaller company, but the problems are um, a lot, the complex uh, problems to solve are a lot. Uh, so having that experience uh, and bringing that to a, um, a larger organization, you are actually at an advantage because you have this broad view of a business. You understand what it's like to, uh, to, uh, to scale a company. Um, and you might be at an advantage uh, depending on what your um, colleagues, what their experiences are, where maybe they've grown up the traditional path um, in a very specialized area. So the thing that you will bring um, uh, to that organization is your ability to hopefully build relationships across different teams because you have empathy for the other teams and what they might be going uh, through. I, no, often see, um, especially in a large organization, it can be really hard to get cross-functional collaboration if you don't have those relationships built in. And a lot of that is just when we're, you know, in a very transactional environment, you have your, your responsibilities that you need to get done. And you can sometimes forget that the people on the other side or on the other team that you have to collaborate with on a specific goal are also having some of those same challenges. So, you know, you're coming from a startup, you're looking at things very broadly and horizontally, um, and you can definitely bring that uh, view in, uh, into a more, um, uh, in, into a larger organization and then uh, help to bridge those gaps. Is there anything to remember when you're taking what could be viewed as kind of a step back um, on like a leadership scale? Is there anything to really remember about how to how to position that or how to talk about it when you're going into maybe an interview to kind of move back up the, the leadership ladder. 
I feel like that's a lot of the reason why people are hesitant to do some, like take a step like this, because they worry that if you, if you take what seems to be a step back, how do you then explain, well, no, I, I do want to keep moving up. Yeah. And so that, you know, when we look at our society that we live in today, there's a lot of um, value placed on uh, titles uh, you know, it brings, it brings with it, you know, there's a sense of pride that, oh, wow, look, you worked your way up, you know, into this organization. And then maybe you're taking a role that is uh, a step down. And I remember um, multiple times getting asked, uh, because I interview a lot of people for the companies that I'm, um, I'm working at. Uh, but I also, even myself during uh, the interview process would often get questions like, why would you in why why would anybody um, take a step back? Um, and for me, when I it was it ended up being a very strategic move because I knew that I always wanted to end up um, in a in a company that was dealing with or addressing um, interesting security challenges. And I knew that I wasn't going to get that at my current role uh, because my the scope of my uh, experience would be very limited to a very specific industry. Uh, which was healthcare at the time. Um, and so having to sit in those uh, meetings and, or, or interviews and, and having people almost have this cognitive dissonance where they're saying, this is an anti-pattern. No, nobody really ever does this. Uh, but for me, explaining that this is not about um, how I can uh, uh, you know, rise up an organization uh, in a very vertical manner. For me, what is interesting and, and where I get my... my my passion from is looking at problems more broadly and understanding how I can have a, a varied set of experiences that will then at least make me a better leader when that time comes. And so it's all about <clears throat> explaining or packaging uh, why you're taking this step that is, you know, seemingly um, abnormal, uh, you know, in, in, in a way that people can then understand, well, it's not just about, you know, this vertical Rise. It's uh, looking at problems more broadly, um, identifying solutions uh, that are more strategic um, rather than just, you know, this is how I've come up and this is my way of thinking and this is how I'm going to address this. So I hope that that, you know, gets to closer to at least the, the answer that you were looking for uh, on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And as, as we go through these guys, um, in, or ladies, I should say, as we, um, as we go through these questions, if this is a question that you submitted and you feel like more context is necessary or that you know, maybe we're not heading in the direction that you hoped that we would go with this, please feel free to come off mute and give more context. You can also put it in the Zoom group chat because I monitor that while we're talking. So please feel free to do so. Um, so this person writes, I have been actively applying to make a lateral move for almost two years with no bite. I use my cover letter as my main tool to do this, but what are other ways to showcase that I'm confident in my ability to do the job I'm applying for in a way that hiring managers understand? Yeah, so, you know, I think there's a lot of debate about how effective cover letters are in today's um, job market. And I've looked at, you know, I think there's two sides of it. Cover letters are important when um, you have to explain something that is, that, that might you know, look odd to a hiring manager or recruiting. So for instance, if you have a large gap, um, or for instance, if you, uh, I think in the, in the case of this person is asking where they're looking to make a lateral move, um, it might, the cover letter might be um, useful in explaining, well, I did all this work, but I have a passion, or I think I can contribute, or I can, I can help 
um, in this other industry. Um, so some other options might be looking at a, what a, like a platform like LinkedIn or any of these, there's so many digital communities today where people can brand themselves. I feel like it's, you know, we're in this age today with, with social media where we have all at some point had to become branding experts. Right. And so you get to write your own story or how people see you when uh, or how you show up online. And so it might be that you start posting um, some of the work that you've done uh, that is relevant to a hiring manager. I know that when I'm seriously looking at a candidate, um, I will look at their if they're uh, techie or you know, if it's a, an engineering candidate, I will look at their contributions uh, on the open source. So I'll go to GitHub or any of these other um, uh, sites just to see, you know, or does this person have a presence where they've done some public speaking that shows me, yeah, I'm really passionate about this and I'm contributing to the community, to the, whether it's doing it digitally or doing it in person. Um, so there are definitely ways in which you can position yourself. Um, obviously you need to have the, the, the talent and you've done the work to back, you, back it up because we don't want to create this aura of, a, of an amazing, um, uh, you know, whatever the, the industry you're in or whatever that role is. And then you get into the interview process and you can't, um, you know, back that up. So it's just hone in on what your strengths are and then don't be afraid to, you know, just step out into those conversations. A lot of things happen on Twitter as well. Um, you know, it really depends on the industry that you're in and how you can um, start to just share and, and show that you're, you know, providing um, uh, an impact or some value to the community. Thank you for calling that out because I think that's a really good thing to that most people don't really know is that like when you're being reviewed, especially if you are really in consideration for something, those are those little extras are things that that hiring managers look for. Yeah. And you know, from my background as a talent advocate before I was part of the marketing team here, one of the key places that I always looked for and I'd like to tell other people to look for is check out that headline on LinkedIn. It can be a really easy place to showcase, like if you're trying to change industries or if you are looking to you know, make a shift from this department to more of this kind of role, if you wanna be less people focused and more tech focused, it's a really good place to call that out is in your headline. Um, and if you are in a position where maybe you don't want it known that you're looking around, that's where your Power to Fly profile can do wonders for you because unlike your LinkedIn profile, it's not searchable by the general public. The only people that see that profile are inside people like, you know, admins from Power to Fly or hiring managers from our partner companies. So it's a really good place. And I think it's called like either about me or your story is the section on the Power to Fly page um, where you can call out things like this and say like, I'm looking to make a lateral move. I, you can be really direct and straightforward, connect those dots or that person's going to look at your at your resume or look at your profile um, in the most straightforward and easiest way possible. Absolutely, you know, because if you don't ask, the answer will always be no, right? So put yourself out there, let the world know that this is a move that you're looking to make. And I love, you know, part of Fly as a platform does give you that um, uh, that avenue because again, yes, LinkedIn is is very public, and if if your employer is, if you don't want to share that information with your employer then there's definitely other uh, uh, avenues um, in which you can take. Yeah. All right. So moving on to this next question, this person wanted to know, what are your thoughts on growing your career as an individual contributor? Can you still be, can you be ambitious and still feel fulfilled as an IC? Yeah, that's a good one. So 
if, you know, we have to answer the question about what fulfillment means for you. Um, so for most traditional organizations, um, and I think a lot of this is starting to change now where, you know, we keep talking about this path of like, you're, you're going to grow in your career and it's, you know, for you to get successful, you have to uh, lead a team or, or, you know, be a people manager. But I've seen a change, especially with uh, tech companies. And, you know, that's where a majority of my um, experiences. So a lot of the advice or the, the comments I make are sort of um, based in, 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 uh, in that experience. Um, but a lot of uh, tech companies figured out early uh, that not everybody makes an excellent manager or even a good manager, right? Management, just like um, any other uh, discipline is a craft that has to be honed and done. If it's to be done well, it has to be done well over time. So there are uh, different uh, paths that you can take. You know, there are principal roles where you may not have responsibility over um, a team, but you are still working on very broad and high level, um, high profile kinds of projects where you might not be responsible for people's day-to-day -day work, but you are their lead. You're the person that they look to for inspiration, whether you know, if you're on the engineering side, you're the person who's bringing in that wealth of education and saying, hey, I've seen this before, you know, I built uh, X platform and these are the challenges that we saw in order to avoid that, you know, here's where we need to invest in it. So you're helping um, not just, you know, not just your, um, uh, your, your direct team, but also the leadership and helping to make, or as another data point or as a resource to help make um, decisions on, you know, the direction of, of that team or the company. So it really depends on what fulfillment means for you. Um, you know, it could also just be, how do you grow and in, in, in a specialized area? So if it's finance or if it's, uh, if it's sales and marketing, you, you can absolutely be the best at that thing. Um, and that, you know, that's where your, your growth happens is, is you have mastered um, or you're on the path to mastering a certain um, discipline. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to consider is what, what exactly does fulfillment look like for you? Um, and for those of you who are maybe who asked this question, I know there were a couple different questions that kind of flirted around this issue. Um, I've put some more links into the chat where you can check out past chats that we've had that focus on this topic. Um, about whether you should be in, in management or as an IC, um, how to navigate that engineering career path and how to transition from an IC into management. So please feel free to check those out. Again, they're all free to watch um, and you can always save them for later. So this next question was a little bit longer, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, this person says, I'm currently a cybersecurity student in a BS program that is transitioning careers after a decade in GIS. As I don't have any true IT work experience, what advice would you have to be able to maximize my potential and my potential and my earnings in the field? And as a secondary question, they wrote, I'm concerned that moving into a help desk type position after graduation could potentially lead to another career dead end. Yeah, so two things. Uh, one is I'm excited to, to you know, field a question about somebody in cybersecurity. Obviously, it's a uh, feel that I have uh, dedicated my life's work to. So wonderful, you're on the right path. Uh, and second, I actually started out in help desk. Um, so, you know, I, I don't put this in, in my profile because we're talking about uh, many, 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 many years ago. Um, and it certainly gave me um, a path into, into security. So when I started um, um, 
in this field, there weren't a lot of security jobs. And so for me, the best decision at that time was to get any job um, that was that had a technology um, side to it. So I started off at the help desk and I learned um, quite a bit about just users um, and how to, to build empathy for um, users when you're building security um, controls. So there's, there's definitely, there was definitely um, a benefit out of taking that job and it definitely was not a dead end. However, uh, I just want to make sure that I'm looking at the, the question and answering um, um, as it's asked. I don't have any true IT work experience and, and I'm assuming GIS means geography information systems. Um, so we'll just go with that. And so my assumption is if you're coming from a JS background with 10 years, take a look at how that experience will then map into um, some of the roles that are in cybersecurity. So today there's everything from, um, I, I see data scientists moving into cybersecurity because when you think about where we are, uh, social, mobile, cloud, big data, and especially I wanna focus on big data. We have people interacting with machines we have machines interacting with other machines and all of these conversations, um, when you're a security person, you are charged with understanding how you can better make use of that data, uh, visualize it, right? And then help to make, uh, help to make uh, decisions on whether um, you are, uh, your systems are secure. So there is absolutely a space uh, for people who have this experience of looking at diverse data sets and then helping to tune those uh, data sets into to making um, uh, you know true business value to bring in true business value um, so that's the direction I would go into is if you've got that uh, statistical background it can be very useful uh, in incident response threat intelligence the, you know this is a problem that in security we need to solve anyway um, and so there is definitely a lot of impact to be had in that space. Thank you for detailing all that out. I know it can be kind of uh, kind of confusing, especially if you're just starting off and you only see one specific career path. Um, it's really helpful to know from somebody who's in the industry what actually your, your potential really looks like. So thank you for that. So this was a, this is honestly a favorite kind of evergreen question of mine. Um, it wasn't posed by me though, so I was really interested and glad somebody else wanted to know it as well. What do you really love about your current role? Yeah, um, you know, one of the reasons I got into security um, is because I realized quickly that um, you know over time um, security would become one of those really hot and exciting fields. Um, and so about my role, so today I, you know, no day looks the same. Um, what I love about it is just the diversity of um, different, uh, different things that I have to work on. So an example is um, in the morning, I could be talking to our sales team about helping them, um, you know, respond to a questionnaire from a potential customer. Um, in the afternoon, I might be sitting in a meeting with a, a number of engineers and we're talking about how to, uh, you know, address a specific uh, security issue or maybe build out a feature and they want to do, you know, something called threat modeling, which is, you know, how would somebody attack this? Um, and, you know, maybe the next day I'm talking to our, our legal team about, 
you know, some of the trends that they're seeing uh, when it comes to data protection and regulations globally. So in one week, I've had lots of really interesting, deep conversations um, with people um, that, that, are, that don't look the same, right? And so for me, that is really energizing because I love when my brain is stretched. I do also have to be careful about that though, because by the end of the week, I probably can't put a sentence together just because of how, you know, my, my brain is buzzing. Um, so, you know, long story short here, for me, it's really about the people and, and just getting to interact um, with a, a, you know, large group of folks um, over, over time. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Um, if you don't mind uh, taking a question kind of off the cuff, um, we had one that was submitted in the chat while you were speaking and I, it does sound very interesting. Um, this person's saying, I just turned 47. I have a degree in electrical engineering. I spent my first 14 years in engineering and the last about seven years being in a diversity staffing program manager because they're passionate about DNI. Yeah. I recently returned to the engineering side of my company as a technical PM. I'm finding that I really don't like being a PM in this space. It's so ambiguous and stressful. And I find myself missing my days of testing in the lab. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. What would you suggest for someone like me to help figure out what comes next? Yeah, so I, you know, I've been in that space where um, I just wasn't sure that I was you know, going on the right path. And one of the things I actually did was um, I ended up getting a, um, a career coach. Uh, you know, I realized very quickly, so I, have, I, I am married, I have a husband and I was trying to use him as my career coach and I would sit and ask these questions and he would look at me and say, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and so I ended up, you know, just making the investment myself and saying, this is important to me. I need to have somebody who has, you know, had these similar kinds of conversations. And so what this person um, did for me, it's, it wasn't like there was any like huge, um, you know, earth shattering uh, changes that happened. They just taught me to look at a problem um, or to, to look at this, this situation that I was in uh, from an objective perspective. So, you know, it set off with do an audit of the things that you love or the things that you were, uh, uh, they, when you feel powerful doing something, you know, note what that thing is. Um, and I think it's, it's a different way of thinking uh, through what a strength is. A strength is in your traditional, like, it might not even necessarily be something you're really good at because you might be amazing at being a, um, a TPM, but you, you're not energized by it. So if you're getting home at the end of the day and, and you're drained, you know, start thinking about what those activities are that are making you drained. And so, you know, I worked with this person for a series of about, I think it was about three months and we would just um, go through, you know, the week, what made you feel strong? What made you feel um, uh, weak? Um, and then, you know, what are the roles in which that you can start to do more of the things that make you energized and less of the things that, that make you uh, feel weak. So, you know, I don't have a lot of, um, uh, you know, like earth shattering, you know, uh, uh, advice here. It's more of just take the time for yourself um, to understand what are those things that are really uh, important to you and then figure out how you can uh, transition that into, um, uh, you know, a full-time role. Um, I think that's the, the best way for me to put it. But, you know, working with a coach is, is definitely another, uh, is an avenue that I took um, and I had to, 
talk myself into it because it was, um, should I be spending this money? Um, but it was worthwhile. I think that's, that's a really good thing to call out, right? Is that it's an investment in yourself. And it's one of those situations where, yeah, like you, you have these people that you trust their opinion and whatever, but do they have the knowledge necessary to, to really help direct you? Or are they really people that you should bounce your ideas off of, of like, maybe I want to do this and maybe I want to do that. Mm-hmm. When you don't really know what you want to do and don't really know which direction you should go, you know, seek out a career coach, especially one that has training in that area, like somebody that specializes maybe in engineering or specializes in your, your industry. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of person that can really help direct you. And maybe it's a situation where a mentor would be a good idea, but you know, if you don't know yet where your direction is headed, it can be really hard to try and find a mentor when you don't know, it's not that you don't know what, what path to take, you don't know what your end goal wants, like what you want your end goal to be. So yeah, thank you for saying that. Can All I right. just so, and say that um, it's Caroline Broussard. I really appreciate that question being asked. I'm also in my 40s and changing careers. So I really appreciate being in the company of someone else. There are a lot of us out there, but it can feel a little bit isolating, especially in the times we're in now. So I certainly appreciate the question and particularly Betsy's answer. So thank you so much. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you so much for sharing. And I do just want to call out, we are holding um, in a couple of weeks now from now, we're going to be holding new um, another icebreaker session for job seekers to kind of prevent that, that burnout that everybody goes through. So keep your eyes peeled on our upcoming events because we're gonna be scheduling out some more of those and it can be a really nice way to connect with other people that are either job seeking or changing industries, especially due to COVID right now, there's a lot of them. Um, so please feel free to, to check that out. It's a nice way to spend 30 minutes, kind of blow off some steam, recharge yourself a little bit and also be in the company of other people that are going through what you're going through. Because like Caroline said, it can feel really isolating when you're not really sure, but everybody around you seems to be like, well, I know what I'm doing. So thank you for, for sharing, Caroline. That's great. Thank you, Caroline. Um, so we've got another question in here. This woman says, I'm in my 50s and I've been working, for the, uh, we're working in the not-for-profit sector for the past 10 plus years. This sector has taken a hard hit because of COVID-19, making fundraising even harder. I'm tired and anxious to get out of this industry, but feeling stuck, deflated, and overwhelmed. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, so I, I think we can all just take a pause and, and realize, you know, we're, we're living in, in a really um, uh, challenging time. I, I think that sometimes 2020 can feel like um, just a barrage of, of negative uh, news. Um, and a lot of that is, you know, the, rea- the response to that of, of, you know, being anxious um, is fairly normal because we're dealing with some questions that are, I mean, the, the answers might be unknowable, right? Um, especially now, if, you know, if there are uh, people with uh, school-aged kids who are on the, on, the, on the call, there's lots of really tough decisions to make under uncertainty. And I've often felt, um, you know, this sense of, of despair as well, because when you look at um, what's happening in the economy, there, there are lots of people who are losing uh, jobs. There, there are some industries that have been hit really hard, right? If you're in the service industry, if you're in the non-for-profit industry, if you're fundraising, this can be really a tough time. So for me, suggestions are what I focused on, uh, and I still have to work on that today, is 
taking one day at a time and realizing that I can, I have some set of things that I can control. Uh, and as long as I'm gainfully employed, it might be a good time to take a pause and start thinking about what other resources um, are available to you. Um, if you know you have, um, if you're in fundraising or or non for profit, they are the things that took you there to that industry. And you know, over time, you've built out you know quite a probably uh, some strengths in that that are again transferable to another industry if that is the path that you want to take. I think. You know, I have to keep reminding myself that this uh, this will end, right? At some point, COVID won't be our story. The arc will come to an end and we'll get to a new normal. Um, and then, you know, this might be a good time for us to just take a pause and think, once that new normal comes in, will I be ready to take on whatever the next um, path for me is? I think, you know, COVID has given us... Um, quite a lot to think about and start to think, uh, strip away and, and figure out what is really important for us. Um, so, you know, in terms of just suggestions, it's like there's, we're, we have lots of digital um, uh, platforms where you can connect with people um, and then understand what resources are available for you to, to move um, um, out of the industry if that's what you end up uh, deciding. Absolutely. Um, we also have a, um, one of my coworkers, Nicole, is uh, in the chat right now dropping some links so that you can check out um, our upcoming coffee breaks. We've also got a mock interview networking event that we're doing. So please feel free to, to come to those. Um, it might help you kind of reset a little bit and realize, you know, if you're talking to somebody else, but it's in a low pressure or no pressure environment, it can be really helpful to help develop what you actually feel as opposed to, you know, most people only get that, that kind of chance to talk about like, well, where do you see yourself in five years in terms of an interview? So it can be a nice way to really think about what's, what's maybe on your plate options wise. Um, and you're right, it can be so hard to make decisions, especially when you're in the middle of that panic. Um, I don't know if it's kind of my, a little bit of my like depression talking, but I tend to make decisions based on well, what's the worst possible outcome of this choice and can I live with that? If you can, okay, fine, because who knows, it might turn out way better, and if it totally fails, you can live with that, that outcome. But if you can't, then maybe you do a little bit of more risk assessment and see like, okay, well, what could I live with? Yeah, that's an excellent point because it really is a risk assessment at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and actually, Nicole's making a really good point. We have had a lot of, uh, lot of ageism chats happening re recently, especially about like overcoming ageism in your job search um, and how to really address those those issues that plague a lot of our older members which is like you know you you've got all this experience you shouldn't feel like you don't have options you know it's, it's a lot of time put in and time spent in the trenches that the young whippersnappers don't have so you know please try and remember that you really do have a lot of value and a lot of um good things that you're bringing to the table yeah and you know there are some companies that also have started piloting um the interesting programs, the career switching programs. Um, about two years ago, I worked with um, a lady who was running a program out of Berkeley and she was looking to train, uh, I don't know whatever happened to the program, but she was looking to train people coming out of the uh, law um, field. So this would be paralegals or maybe even just attorneys um, and into cybersecurity. Um, and she was running this program where, you know, you go, go into a class and you start to learn about some of the interesting legal 
challenges that are, are uh, taking place in the data protection space. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, she was um, helping to build out networks where you could, you know, if you graduate from this, pro uh, from this program, um, have a network of people who are looking for uh, people who have a legal background and are looking to pivot into security. So this is just one example. I'm, it was a, a couple of years ago, but I've started to see a lot more companies trying to build out programs like that or, you know, return, returnships, they call them. Maybe you've been out um, of the industry for a while and you're looking to, to get back in um, and there, you know, there's a path in which uh, you can do that. Sorry, guys, I like lost my mute button there. Um, I'm putting some of those chats into, on ageism into the chat box now so that way you guys can um, navigate to those if you'd like. Um, this next question, again, is kind of following the same path. What advice would you share for an older woman of color who wants to seek a leadership role? Yeah, so we had um, started to, I think, talk a little bit about this, about having uh, mentors um, and what, Early on in my career, somebody um, gifted me a book by Carla Harris. Um, she is probably one of the most prominent African-American um, uh, business executives. She basically has conquered Wall Street. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, that I, I picked up from that book is, is this idea of building your own personal board of directors. So you need, you know, you need to have your mentor who is the person that you can um, who's like your positive person who you bring questions and they can, they know you, they know the context about you. Right. Um, and then can help uh, navigate some, uh, some of these career discussions. She also talked about having um, a sponsor and, you know, a sponsor is somebody typically when, when decisions are being made in a company about who's getting promoted or who's getting the next um, leadership role or even um, project, you know, a project that has a high impact on the company, sometimes those decisions are being made and you're not in that room when those decisions are being made. It's really important to have somebody who is your sponsor who will be, who will use their political capital to make sure that you get elevated, right? And so um, um, I've always taken that away and, and over time I have built, you know, this, uh, it's, so spending a lot of time networking and also remembering that it's not just about me, but it's also about what value can I bring, um, you know, to this board of directors. So um, in terms of advice, um, this would be, you know, if you have those people in your circles that you can tap and just say, hey, you know, just give me uh, good feedback on whether this is a role that you think I would be good at, you know, and just sort of like testing out um, certain scenarios and understanding um, how best you can navigate uh, some of these uh, conversations or, or even that path. And it can be really, we talked about isolation here, it can be really isolating when you look at a leadership team and you don't see somebody who looks like you there or even thriving there. So it's really important to, to remind yourself that, you know, one, just have the positive affirmation that you're there because you do have skills um, that are useful and it's, and you, you do deserve to be at the table. I think it's, Constantly, even now, you know, I've, I've been in the industry for a long time, but I still will sometimes uh, get into a, a boardroom and those feelings, they call it, uh, in, you know, what is it, what I'm looking for? There's a phrase that they use. Um, Imposter syndrome. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Where there's that little voice 
you know, that can sometimes uh, take over your thoughts and say, do I even belong in this room? There's nobody else here who's like me. Um, and just having the positive affirmations like, yeah, um, I do belong here. There's a reason why I'm here. I've done the work um, and I deserve to be at this table just as much as everyone else around me here. So um, it's a little bit of, you know, seeking out people who are in that space, who can help navigate those conversations, who have context about you and about the company. And then it's about just having the positive affirmations. Um, and I definitely recommend, um, you know, people like Carla Harris. I just, I watched, I had the chance to watch her live. Um, and anytime that, and I think she's got a lot of um, YouTube videos. It's just looking for somebody who's going to give you that energy um, and to sort of give you momentum into to getting into those conversations. I love that idea of forming your own kind of private board of directors. I think that's a really great way to, to think about this idea. Um, and I love the idea. We, we had a, somebody else that had talked a couple, a couple days ago about creating your own opportunities. And especially, it's, a, it's really important for um, people that don't, they look at, at the leadership level and don't see people that look like them or don't see a clear path is by, by trying to keep pushing and saying like, hey, I'm interested in leadership. Can I take on this team, you know, this team um, position or can I supervise this project or spearhead this idea? Making it known that that's what you want can sometimes really be the push that other people need to see you the way you see yourself. You know, if they don't, if you don't speak up, people might not know that you have any aspirations of leadership. Yeah, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. I really love this question. Um, this person had asked, if you could go back and change anything in your professional journey up to this point, would you do anything differently? Why or why not? Oh, there is so many here, so many nuggets. Um, the first is um, early on in, in my career, actually no, it, was, it was when I was in college, I had the chance to either, um, I started off in the computer science uh, track, um, but I made the decision to move to um, an MIS track. And the difference between those two is, you know, CS is computer science, MIS is management information systems. The MIS track um, has more of a business focus. It, there's still some technology, uh, you know, basis there and foundation, uh, but there was a business focus. And I did this because when I looked at the, um, just the amount of work that I would have to put in into a CS program and there were, you know, it was also just, I was in college and, and my goal was to, to graduate as quickly as I, I could because I realized, you know, if I doubled up and just took a high, higher course load then I could get done faster. So that was my priority was just, that get this call, get this degree and get out and, and start get, you know, contributing into the workforce. Um, but what I found quickly after graduating is that um, a lot of the things that I had um, that I didn't uh, do on the, that I missed out on the computer science side that I was having to play catch up. Um, and so spending a lot of time, um, you know, doing the basics on my own where as if I had stayed on the hard path, uh, the CS path, then maybe I would have saved myself time later. Um, that's one thing. Uh, the second is um, oftentimes when I got into roles, especially early on, I would not pay attention um, to, uh, to where my industry was going um, or even my business. And I, it, it's, 
it's something that I, I find a lot with uh, people who are just starting out, um, where they're not paying attention to the larger trends. They're not really attending all of the, um, the company um, updates because you're too busy focused on what you need to do in your, your task that you forget um, that you sometimes have to build the, um, the path from the, how the work you're doing impacts the larger company goals. Because then that's what makes you a valuable uh, team player is that you're not, when you're make, helping a company make decisions, it's not just about what can I do in my little box, it's how does that tie in to the broader goals. Um, and so, you know, some people will refer to it as, you know, being strategic, but I always shy away from using that word because, you know, it's like you just throw a word strategy out there and, and uh, you know, it means a little bit different uh, things to, you know, can, can be taken out of context. But at the end of the day, it's just paying attention to what is happening in the industry um, and what some of those challenges are that you can then contribute to. Or when you're growing your, your career, it gives, it, it gives you more, um, uh, more of a clearer picture uh, on the kinds of skills that you need to be building out. So that was a long answer, but uh, I could talk for a while. And, and you make a very good point. When you're just starting out, it can be really hard to kind of maintain that, that long-term vision and, and to realize that if you look around you a little bit more, not only do you gain that better kind of sense of where you fit within the organization, but you can then see and, and have the time and the headspace to think like, okay, this is where I am today, but where is this going? Where do I, you know, how, how far ahead can I really look here? Yeah. Um, I do just want to revisit. Um, we had somebody that asked in the chat if you could tell us the name of the book that you had mentioned on the last question. And I'm so sorry I didn't think to ask before we went to the next slide. No, no, no problem. It's Expect to Win, Carla Harris. Expect to Win. Thank you. All right. So this person has a question that was like so in line with today's subject, I was kind of flabbergasted. Um, their question is, my entire career path, I've taken a non-linear path, but always working for the same company, from operations, engineering, construction, HSE to HR. Now, after 20 plus years, I'm interested in moving companies, but people find it difficult to define what I do. So how do you overcome that issue when you've had an incredibly non-linear career path or something that seems at least non-traditional to most people? Yeah, so again, it becomes a question of how are you packaging all of this experience? And, you know, early on in, in this conversation, we started talking about the power of like your LinkedIn um, headline, right? Uh, or maybe even your cover letter. Um, I think for a lot of people, when, especially when you're, you're you know, as a hiring manager, you're under a lot of pressure because you have to, you know, continue to grow your team and also keep things moving. And if you're a recruiter or a sourcer, um, you're also looking at resumes very quickly and you're looking, your eyes are trained to look for very specific things. Um, so, you know, looking at a, a very rich career of over 20 years of, of all these different groups um, or, or functions, there's probably something that is, or a few things that are um, uh, consistent um, over, you know, whether if it's in, in operations, um, are you leading uh, teams? Are you creating budgets? Are you building processes? And start to abstract all of that and maybe put that at the top of your resume and say career highlights, right? And then talk about those things that you have done, but make sure they map to what um, the next role that you're looking to do. I, I can't stress enough how, um, how important it is to make sure that your resume and your cover letter and your LinkedIn um, all tell together, combined tell 
the story that you are looking uh, to, to share to the world. It, sh it should be able, you should spend some time to look at it and make sure and even just have other people look at it and say, you know, if I package all this up in this way, does it then translate to this other role that I'm looking at? So it would be just taking out those parts of your, um, um, of your experience that are relevant to the next job that you're looking at. That way you are reducing what we call cognitive load on the people who are on the other side, right? So, you know, I have so many things to think about. I, it, it, it's almost like this jarring, like, oh, how does this fit into, into the thing that I'm trying to do now? And you have to make it easy for them um, to be able to give you a second uh, look and then bring you in and bring all this rich experience, um, which I think any company would be lucky to have uh, somebody with, with that much of a, a diverse background. Now, would you say that that advice would also be applicable to um, maybe somebody who's worried about seeming overqualified for a specific position? Or do you think there's a different way to position yourself um, or position your information then? Yeah, so there's, this keeps coming up, uh, right, as a theme of um, when you're moving from one industry to another, um, that somebody might look at your um, resume and go, oh, you're overqualified, right? Um, when I left um, uh, CISO role, and went to a, it was uh, information risk manager role in a, in, a, in a larger organization. It was having to, you know, I do remember actually specifically somebody asking me this in, a, in, in, a, in an interview and saying, um, would you even be comfortable, you know, doing an IC role and, and you, you, have, you don't have a team around you? Are you how, how do you know, how are you capable of, of taking on this IC work when you, you know, and part of that was just removing all of, you know, getting very honest with the, with the interviewer and removing all of the traditional, like I'm, you know, uh, ensuring that I have a, a growth mindset and saying, I don't know everything. Yes, I have led teams, but also here's some of, you know, here's some examples of where I led by showing, you know, how, how this should be done. Right. And I was able to pull specific examples that made them feel more comfortable that I wasn't going to be hired as an individual contributor and then not be able to, um, to do the work because I was used to having a team um, and scale myself with a team versus um, get the work done on my own. Um, so it's just, it gets a little uncomfortable, but um, I think once you've got uh, tech, uh, specific examples, then that starts to demonstrate that um, um, it's not about overqualification, it's about the growth mindset and the kinds of things that I'm looking at um, uh, for my career. Yeah. All right. So to round us out here, because I know we only have five minutes left. Um, I just want to talk about this other question that we had submitted. This person said, when someone is looking at my resume, how much attention is paid to the years of experience in totality versus the number of positions I've held over the years? And I feel like this is more of a question that Frankly, I, I've asked several times because I've changed jobs so many times and I, as a, one of the older millennials, keep, keep butting up against a generation of job seekers that maybe only held, you know, a couple different positions or just moved up within certain companies. So as, we, as this becomes more common, you know, wh where does that balance lie? Is it something where you need to call attention to the fact that you've spent, you know, the duration of time in these all, all these different roles or do you really need to focus on the skills learned there? Yeah, I think it depends on the industry. So, and, and the types of roles that you are, um, are looking at. So when I'm, you know, I hire for a lot of, of technical roles. And so 
um, I'm just looking at the question again to make sure that um, we get the answer that we, um, versus the number of positions I've, ha I've held over the years. Um, so what I've seen other resumes, when I'm looking at resume, I've, I've seen people put, um, you know, if there is experience that is not relevant to the job that they're applying for, that it goes in the summary section on the bottom and says, you know, um, other roles include uh, it's leading or, or you know, um, uh, whatever that experience that they had is put towards the bottom of the resume. And then the rest of the resume at the top is more dedicated to, you know, these are all the skills that I have in here, the accomplishments that I've had, you know, in the most, in the three most recent jobs. Um, and that way you're focusing the, the, you're giving the real estate to the wonderful things that you've done more recently and how that ties into the job that you're applying for today. And also at the same time, honoring the fact that, yeah, you know, I, I spent 10 years working on, on a, in another industry and here's a little bit of the stuff that I learned um, that might not be important to you right now, but might be something that you were interested in hearing about. Um, and then that way you're, you're, again, it's, you know, this idea of reducing cognitive load. You don't want them to get distracted by all this other stuff. So it might just, you know, uh, be good for, for you to mention it, not spend too much time on it, but focus on the things that make them uh, understand how your experience fits in with the role they're looking to fill today. Yeah, I think that's that's really a good thing to focus on is, is making it relatable, reducing that cognitive load, and just explaining yourself as quickly and efficiently as you can. Um, people don't have very long to spend on each individual candidate, unfortunately, um, and so doing that as, as seamlessly as possible is going to help you in the long run. Yep. All right, so these, these chats always seem to not last long enough. Um, the hour just flies by, honestly. But before we leave here, I do just want to ask you, you talked about what your favorite part about is, is about your role today um, with us, but could you tell us what your favorite part is about working at Chainalysis? Yeah, I have amazing coworkers. Um, you know, it's, I started in January um, and it was, I was a little, you know, I had just come off of another job. And so, you know, starting to forge new relationships and then boom, we all went to work from home. Um, and I was really concerned, you know, coming in as a, as a leader of, a, of an organization and not having the opportunity to build those relationships in, in my mind, the way I thought I would be doing it, it was, you know, one-on-ones in person, you know, walk and talks and, and that kind of thing. But what I really have found is um, the team at Chainalysis people are very um, open to having, um, you know, we have lots of uh, like social events and sometimes they're very spontaneous. So we'll either, you know, somebody will, will do coffee um, chats. We'll have the famous Zoom happy hours. We had something called a huddle uh, where um, traditionally a huddle is where the entire company gets together in one location, one physical location and spends a couple of days, um, you know, talking about strategic planning and then just, building those connections. And this year, of course, we couldn't travel anywhere. So um, it was my first one, it was a virtual one. And the team just put out a, 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 just an amazing program together, um, such that it, you know, I feel like I really know my coworkers, even though they're people I have never met in person, right? We just, I might not be able to, if I saw them on the street, I might not be able to recognize them because they're not like in a little frame uh, and with a Zoom uh, icon on the corner there. 
Um, but I've been able to build um, um, quite a good relationship uh, so far. And that to me is just an indicator of the quality of people that Chainalysis is attracting. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing to, the things that will keep you there when times are hard is those relationships that you've built out. Uh, and so I'm really thankful um, um, for that. Well, thank you so much, Betsy, for joining us today. Um, I'm really, really grateful that you took time out of your day to spend with our community. Um, and thank you so much to all of our attendees who wrote in such amazing questions, um, people that came off mute to comment during today's session, Session, people that wrote in questions during this session. Um, is there anything that you want to leave us with before we sign off for the day? Um, it, that's, that's always a, the hard question for me to answer. So many, there's so many things. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions here about transitioning and about, you know, bringing rich experiences um, into, new, um, into new companies or maybe new uh, careers. Um, as long as you remember that this COVID is not going to last and to, you know, sort of just think about what this new normal will look like and take this opportunity to maybe, you know, spend time and, and give yourself the, the space to think about what is important to you. What do you want to get out of it? I do a lot of journaling um, and I found it really helpful when I have things on paper to be more objective and I've removed the noise from my brain and onto a piece of paper. And that gives me some clarity. So if I can leave with anything is, um, you know, write it down, get it out of your head and then get an action plan. Thank you for that. Um, I do just want to call out one last time. Chainalysis is hiring. Um, I put some links further up in the chat um, where you can check out their company page. Um, you can check out what roles they have there and you can apply via power to fly if you'd like. Um, that puts an extra layer of you know, kind of follow up at the end of your your application so it's a really good place to make sure that um, you know if you don't know anybody at the company or you want to make sure that you don't get lost in the shuffle that is a great way to go um, thank you so much again it was really lovely to speak with you today and I'm super excited to hopefully see more of you all that joined us today um, on future chats so thanks so much and I hope you have a pleasant rest of your Thursday you too thanks everybody bye everybody